Welcome to the Unlimited Creative Podcast, Owning Your Eunice. My name is Renee Kitson, and I will be sharing different perspectives on what it means to be a multi-talented creative, as I highlight resources and voices that could aid you through your inventive journey. For this week's episode, we'll be talking about creative confidence, specifically playing with creative confidence. And our guests for today will be Auntie Jody, Jodianne Robinson, and her daughter Ashantiwa, otherwise known as Asia. First of all, she is from Portland, Portland, Jamaica, a woman of the arts, and she has done a lot within the field of drama education. And she also has a degree in that area with a minor in photography. So let me just roll out the titles that I have for her. Theater teacher, photographer, English teacher, educator, social media personality, blogger, mommy blogger, lioness, and a motivational speaker. Well, I'm putting that out there because she has been very motivational within this session. You'll be able to find her on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram. Just note that her presence alone is very profound. And even though you might not be a child, and you probably aren't a toddler if you're actually listening to this, but we'll be talking about growing your confidence, how it is that you can connect to your safe space, connect within a space where you can actually play, which is that you can be free and liberated. Just keep your ears keen as we roll into the session. Morning, 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 everybody. Hi, Miss Renee. Say good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Say, how are you? Say, big boy. Say, how are you? I do. And she said, how are you? I'm fine. Thank you for asking. You say, okay, you're welcome. Welcome. All right. So good morning again, Renee. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for doing this really, really great podcast. I've been enjoying it personally. I am happy that you came up with such a um idea and you know you're going after it and so on i like where you're approaching it i will try my best this morning to um inspire and share um my journey as much as possible i just want to say um i usually start off my session this way which is which song puts you into the mood to create something the story time song an easy song uh um, is one of is a story time song that I use for my story time sessions. Um, my mother usually sing that songs for me song for me when I was a little girl, and um, she did a story time for me every night. So it has grown with me. It's now passed on to my daughter. And, and um, once I start like singing the song, I just get into a place of confidence, a place where I want to play and have fun and just um, be creative so that song I will I'm gonna put that at the top of the list <laughs> for right now the story time song it's basically goes like this very easy um, story time story time story time story time story time story time when auntie jody begins to talk i don't want to squawk and squawk i want to listen i want to 
hair story time. Yay! <laughs> Thank you. It, it kind of gave me this little boost, like or a little rush. And then, you know, I start thinking, I start um, visualizing even some of the stories and so on before I actually, actually sit down to do the story or even just sometimes writing down um putting the storyboard together because i'm doing my youtube videos um sometimes i'm just singing the song so that it kind of puts me into that space thank you for that one of my favorite story times well i have two now one is where you read the book called papa do you love me by barbara m jules i love it i love it it touched my heart um also there is a next one i know you posted it in Mother's Day time period, and it was more along the line of a child saying to her mom, Oh, the best mother. It's called The Best Mother. Cerise, illustrated by CM Cerise, The Best Mother. Mm-hmm. Basically, in the story, the little girl, um, she gets a little bit frustrated, annoyed with her mommy, who is telling her all the right things. So she decides that she wants to have mm-hmm. a new mother. To her surprise, she realized that she actually has the best mother. There's nobody like her mom. There's nobody that's going to probably do the things her mother does. She realizes in the end that she wants to stay with her mother. (laughs) Huge story that all of us can learn from, can learn many lessons overall, appreciating what you have. Yeah. When when I hear your story time, obviously you have like this educator's Mm -hmm. kind of knowledge behind it. And also there's a lot of passion that is shown throughout your process in being an early childhood educator. Um, Let me give you a bit more to like even just how I think of you. So like when I see you started off your um, journey as Auntie Jodi, I was saying to myself like, wow, this is so magical. A long time you're a big man. A long time you just pick up yourself and just do. A long time you just say, all right, I can do this. A long time you've been a person of just like resilience and just being very open and forward about achieving something. And so in you even talking about um, these kind of information through stories and kind of context through stories and building confidence in children, I was saying like, you're the best person to talk about confidence. Where did your confidence come from to even start this journey of becoming Auntie Jody, the mommy influencer? I would say my mom laid that foundation for me. Throughout my life or throughout my journey, there has been different sources. But I will say then that main source of confidence was from my mother. From a very young age, she realized that, okay, my daughter has certain strengths and my daughter has certain areas that probably needs to be worked upon. Um, she recognized my skills my talents my interests and she poured into them a lot she was very 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 present and then having her physically present emotionally present mentally present and all of that my confidence was born her continuous support I think helped to help the confidence to grow even more as I grew I had different persons of course as from my village that poured in the person that really took over after my mother was my uh, my mentor, Maureen Campbell. She is a drama teacher and 
educator, early childhood officer with the ministry, an actress, singer, Christian, family person, extremely confident. What did she say or do within your space that drew you in? She always told me that I'm capable of doing anything. Once I put my mind to it, there's nothing that I can't do. Possible she was a Christian, as I stated, so she always said that um, once, you, once you do your part, God will also do his part. So at this age, even more so than my mom and even Auntie Maureen, like God is that ultimate source of confidence, bring gives me that un- ultimate source of confidence that, hey, you can do this. I created you to do this. It will be done. It will be finished. It will be fulfilled. We can say their words. They use a lot of words. Words are very, very important. The saying that says that words speak life. That is so true. I'm a proof of that. I try to do the same, practice that same thing with my daughter. The affirmations every day and so on. It helped me a lot. It now pushes me to question along the line of, you have this confidence because of your environment, your tribe, the people that were around you, supporting you, and they were on board. And when I went to Edna, many times people automatically state like, are you going to make money? Does that even make sense? Is it even practical? And so many children wouldn't necessarily get that type of support that me and you would have received because our parents would have acknowledged us when we were younger. Especially people like you and I, We'll get that. We'll get that kind of opposition and that kind of wording and stuff. And I got it again from my family. You have to find your community and so on because you most times you will get that from your family. All right. So you were saying that while you were at Edna, you had a lot of naysayers and they were even your family members. Tell me one experience where it just licked you for six. One experience I came from my mom when I wanted to do photography. My mom sent me to Edna Manley to become a teacher. Initially, I wanted to just do acting, focus on my love, my passion for acting and so on. When I got to Edna that first day, they said that the program wasn't active, that program was not on stream as yet. I remember signing up for photography. I was signing up and my mom said to me, um, why don't you learn to play an instrument like a violin or something? You know, that's more like sophisticated and so on. And she was saying that and I was laughing and she was like, oh, you want one picture person? You want to pick the picture? So I started laughing like I found it very funny, a little bit discouraging and some, but not too much discouraging because in my mind, I was looking at the, the, the future picture. You know, my mother just was thinking about knowing how it looked that not being and then I realized as well that her exposure to maybe in that time or those days and so on when she was growing up you know like nobody's gonna tell you oh you want to take pictures or so on more leaning towards learn to play an instrument and especially a violin violin is associated with the upper class or you know a certain type of you know status and lifestyle and so on so I didn't really take it too hard and matter of fact I used it actually to push myself even more to do the photography. For months after that, when my mother moved to the States and my little brother had some photo day or something and they asked about the pricing, my mother picked up the phone one day and she said, my God, oh my God, I never know, so it's so expensive for the photo package and whatever, whatever, but you can't really make some money off of this in a journey. I'm and I was just laughing to myself and I was like, okay, so years later, you're catching up. You know, when I already saw that vision, when I already saw the and it was not even about the money for me it was about the, the art you know i'm an artist we we like to do what we like to do and so on and we know that eventually the money will come you understand you don't have to chase stuff like it's there your thing is there your purpose is there 
everything is is there for you in the right time in the right season i think like what you just talked about a while ago is that many people just don't know many people don't know the value of the arts hence that's why they can't appreciate it and they i don't know if it is that there's anybody to blame but more along the line of like it's not everybody is going to be socialized in the creative and cultural space Mm-hmm. As you said, that's fine. When you started Auntie Jody, you were actually in Japan. But like, I was. what was your, your process like in building out that concept? And you also stated that people were telling you like, so we are up on YouTube. What's good? Tell me, how did you come up with the idea and to combat that? How did I come up with the Auntie Jody concept? Whoa. Ah, nice question, Renee. <laughs> All right. So a couple of years ago, I was really, really, I was really, really interested in becoming a mom travel blogger. And even before the mom travel blogging, I wanted to do just travel blogging. Started an Aikido class, started checking tickets to travel, started getting things in place so that I can travel Asia, started buying equipment. And it's always a story with me. So more so, I wanted to be a travel blogger. And lo and behold, (laughs) I had a daughter. I had this beautiful blessing that sits beside me. All right, let's turn down, Mama Gino. Let's turn down, let's turn down. And when I had this little girl, I said, all right, you know, we're going to be doing travel blogging or so we're going to travel and et cetera, et cetera. And it did not go as I said it would go. But it went even better. I was at home for a while with, with Asia. I started getting back into early years activities, early years craft. I also taught kindergarten in Japan, right? But now I had, I was home with her. Um, I started to think about different parents or mothers, especially, who are home oh alone, God. you know. Some persons would see me doing activities and so on online, just sharing it for sharing, for helping somebody's sake, you know, not even thinking far too far about it and such. They would say, you know, that's a good idea. Or I use that activity with my little one or whoa, you know. Following that, I started feeling like I wanted to work with more parents, not just I wanted to extend myself more to the wider world and just to our mommy village or parent not just mothers i i don't limit myself to mothers because for fathers have been such an active part of the village i welcome fathers i'm happy very happy all the time as well when i even see grandparents coming in or grand um, aunts and uncles and so on because it takes a village that's my belief my strongest belief for the anti-jody brand as i said i wanted to extend myself more and to really help in some way, I looked at the different um, skills and so on and the different ways that I could possibly serve. I said, all right, this is what we're going to do. We're, we're going to, um, I'm going to start something new, start Anti-Jody. I had met a few mothers as well from a blogging community that I used to work with. And um, those mothers, they were encouraging me in terms of even the virtual play dates. <laughs> And saying to me, like, why don't you, like, do this online? Like, do the play this and so on online or even your YouTube channel and so on. Share it with your channel. That's you really extending out yourself to more people because everybody in the world what you use is YouTube and so on. And most people, especially when the pandemic came into play, like most persons were doing, like, online 
learning and online classes and stuff like that. So that is how the, the anti-Jody brand and the anti-Jody community started. It really started because of my time with my daughter and me wanting to extend myself more to the wider village. Do you think that being in Japan at that point played some part in you communicating online as well and reaching out to people? Yes, it definitely did. I think being in Japan overall, I think being away and being by myself in Japan has made such a huge and necessary difference in my life and especially in my development as an artist. Sometimes you hear people say you have to be isolated to grow. And that is so true. This is not me saying if I was in Jamaica, something like this could not have happened. But I think being away more and just looking at different, seeing different problems and so on and just having a different level of focus as well and probably having more time as well on my hands you know and being in a comfortable space without like naysayers or certain issues and you know stuff that you might deal with in your family and so on like being in that being away in that space helped me to be more creative and to be more settled and um, just to see different problems or different needs to that um, I could have helped with or helped in. You started off Auntie Jody while you were in Japan. You weren't around your family physically. You're in a different culture, a different language. Mm-hmm. You are seeing the different kind of approaches to life over there. Their way of life is definitely different. Definitely different from also. Definitely different. And so you chose to step out of bounds from what you were actually doing at the time. It is connected to all of your talents, but basically you just said, all right, then I'm going to pull this together and I'm going to basically create this package of myself and really help people. You know what's interesting? The fact that you had a positive perspective towards being in that space, being in isolation rather than judging yourself. How did you not pull into the insecurities and the moment of saying like, no, in a sense, I don't have it here. I don't know the people here. What uh, you know? I think that has to do with my confidence. <laughs> I would say confidence and so on. And, and again, understanding my purpose. That's what I would say because um, initially when I was going to Japan back in 2016, that's what, six years ago? Wow. Um, I had no idea if, you know, just going there would work or if it wouldn't work or I had no idea. I didn't even think it through too much. I think sometimes we think too much about things and that, that kind of um, brings about fear and just unnecessary thoughts and, you know, doubting and all of those things. Sometimes you just have to take a leap of faith. Yeah. And I think that's what I did with Japan. Um, I said, I didn't, I knew one person at the time, one single person. Um, eventually my good friend, Kimberly Marish, eventually she left, she left me in Japan. But by that time I'd already started like building a village, serving in my purpose and such. And, um, Again, as I said, I, I just had some confidence and I just said, I, I'm going to make the best of it. And I think that's the same approach as well with Auntie Jody. I knew some of the things that I could do. Um, I knew some of the areas that needed to be worked on and I saw problems and I just wanted to extend myself more as best as I can, which Japan is a place where it is 
easy. And foreigners from all over will tell you that Japan can be a very lonely place. However, if you have something that drives you or some kind of you know, purpose, some kind of objective and so on, you know, I know different bloggers there, I know different YouTubers there and so on. And um, if you're really confident and determined that you're going to do this thing, those insecurities and, and those and so on will probably not overtake you as much. But, you know, a while ago you said purpose. I mean, I think to myself, like, Jody, <laughs> Jody, let me tell you something. <laughs> really? <laughs> Jody, when it said, I told you that from I met you, you were a big woman. You walk with purpose, you move with purpose, you are very intentional and very focused. A lot of people nowadays are very fearful. And at times to have purpose is like holding yourself. Is that problem? Yeah, having purpose meaning that you're holding yourself accountable. And so how can you come up with a statement to say like, this is what I am for? How, how do you cultivate that? I think after re- seeing different situations and also looking at your strengths and so on, and just looking at the, your journey, like reflecting each time and evaluating your journey and so on, the answer is there, like right in front of you, basically. For me, I, I can talk for myself, like from a young age, I like the arts. So I continued, you know, down that path, even going away. I still try to to um, grow in that area and so on. And there's been a lot of success and also failures, which is still success in my eyes. There's been a lot of successes and failures, you know, as I've been growing in this purpose and so on. And it has just become stronger to me that, listen, you're going to be working with children. And I also tell myself this again, affirmation I also tell myself that this is what and also God you know constantly showing you putting you in the space to do that and such and preparing you as well and giving you the opportunities you will start to realize that this is my purpose this is really you know my purpose probably it might not be um specifically me working in a classroom or limited to me working in the classroom can be eventually I can start off working in the classroom and then eventually God decides that, hey, you're going to have a children's show on PBS or you're going to have a children's show on Netflix or whatever it is, you know, or you're going to have your own channel. Come on, speak it. Speak it. Come on. Come on. Repeat it one more time, Jody. I'm out to God's ears. I will have a children's TV show on my channel. An interactive educational show that the entire family can enjoy and learn from. Come on now, right. like repeat the part where it's about PBS and Netflix. Come on, I might have a, I will have a children's show on PBS or on Netflix or on my own channel where the entire family can watch, enjoy, and be educated. Yes, yes, Malaika, Malaika, Malaika. Any y'all give it. The, the, the good, the energy, yeah. so it's very good. Oh, no, but true. it's true, Jody, it's true. Because what you talked about a while ago is something that's called guided mastery. Like you mm-hmm. basically stick to the process and it leads you to become even more innovative. You get what I'm saying? So you talked a while ago about like, I've been creative from day one. You get me, I say? Mm. We have the support and I've been following through. And a while ago, you said you assessed, you evaluate the 
the surroundings and your energy told you and you listen to yourself to bring forth the fruits that are within you. Like you have this energy of abundance about you. A while ago when you said PBS, Netflix me say yes. Because we already know so you have your channel already. This means that you're going to go on TV and have a network itself. We have put it out there in an atmosphere, you know? Amen. Exactly. Amen. Exactly. So what happens now too that I'm, I will have to acknowledge in what you said a while ago is, is that fear becomes familiar. Like mm-hmm. failure, you just said to me that failure is not failure for you. Tell me one point where you're just there for just twisted. Like you felt like you were failing and it just turned around and become tenfold. One part when I felt that we was getting pregnant with my daughter. I will say this. Remember, I was telling you, you know, I was preparing to be this travel blogger. I was taking Aikido class. You know, my finances were where I really wanted them to be. Mm-hmm. I felt, yes, man, everything was going like, oh, I planned it or oh, I saw it. And I'm going to be this big travel blogger. I'm going to be around age. I'm going to be like in my swimsuit on these beaches in Thailand and, you know, having these different streams, these passive incomes to traveling, blah, blah, blah. And I found out, you know, I was having a child and I was like, Jesus, where does come from now? <laughs> you know? I was like, really? <laughs> of course, we know where it comes yeah. from, but I mean, <laughs> I mean, I'm like, Lord of mercy, like, this I go slow me down. And I was like, the first part of the pregnancy, I remembered her dad, he was very supportive. Um, he was more excited than me. He's, he's probably always more excited than me about the children. <laughs> you know, um, He was very excited. He was like, oh my God, I hope the baby is like you. I hope the baby gets this from me. Or I hope the baby gets this from me. And, you know, I was like, Lord of mercy, you know, like, no, can I do this and stuff like that? And I was like, of course you can still do it. Like long and short of it, like getting closer to the time, I got even more excited. Even when I found out it was a little girl, I said, oh my God, I really hope that she can sing like me. Or I hope that I can do the things that my mother did with me, you know, and I really started to get more excited. And no, I can't even imagine like life without her. And I can't even imagine myself having said that I wanted to do the travel blogging. And so, like I said, that was just not what I'm supposed to be doing. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. This right here is exactly where I should be and what I should be doing. And the best thing that probably happened to me, because when she came in, she reminded me of so many things that I was capable of doing, you know? Remember, and I'm thinking about doing travel blogging and so on. But then if I was to go do the travel blogging and all of those things, probably that theater part of me would have just been there and probably would have just, the light would have just died out and so on. But she ignited a, a light and you know, that light that she ignited, it, it ignited other persons. It became a candle to other persons. And so, so it worked out like so much better than how I even expected that it would have worked out. And we're here today. Just the level of humility and the kindness I see you have towards your daughter and communicating with her. Teach me your ways. One day I might be there. I mean, I know because I'm not a mother, but from my end, you make it look beautiful. My end. (laughs) (laughs) But it is not. It is not always perfect. It's not always easy. It's a lot of patience. I tell people all the time when it comes on to 
younger children, especially our babies, especially educators, like if you don't enjoy being around children and so on, like don't get into that profession because you're going to do yourself an injustice. You're going to do these babies an injustice. You know what I mean? I think, I think, Renee, I'm going to try to say this in the most positive way. Everybody can give love to children. Do you understand what I mean? Everybody is capable of loving children. I'm not 100% sure if everybody is a parent or if everybody wants to like dedicate themselves like that. I am not sure if everybody should be in a classroom with, with children. I don't think so. I'm going to say to you, Renee, if tomorrow morning you should become a mom, it will change you. It's a day in and a day out process. It's not, it's some, it's not something that's impossible. You understand what I'm saying? It's not something that's easy, but it is easier when you're somebody that loves children naturally. Of course, in the beginning, it's going to probably be a little scary for you. But as time grows by and you really experience that kind of love for a human being that really depends on you right through, it is going to change you. It's going to soften you. It's going to help you to develop more patience and understanding. And um, it is probably going to slow you down a little bit. But it doesn't mean that life is over. It doesn't mean that life is over for you. It doesn't mean that you cannot be the best mother to that child. Even as it relates mm-hmm. to like fathers as well and just mothers like our parenting overall and you being an educator and you connecting with other kids and you basically being in that space of like creativity from like a toddler age and then having the parent's perspective. How do you look at play as something that is important for the child, but also for an adult? Concept of play. That means you probably forgot to define the term mm. play. Because we can't say play might be like along the lines of a play that you go and watch. Can be a play, can be activity. When I, when I think about the word play, naturally what comes to mind is doing something. Innocence also comes to mind when I hear the word play. Raw rawness or filteredness always comes to my mind relaxing peace you know that those are the things that comes to my mind when I hear the word play and I think of an activity that can invoke those feelings and I also think about a safe space when you're playing you know or when children are playing they are not thinking about any form of danger or you know, looking beyond moment for what it is and savoring in that moment, yeah? They're feeling secure in that space or they're feeling safe and so on. And even me, when I'm creating a playful space for myself or for my daughter, I'm creating a space that is, and for the children as well, I'm creating a safe space for them to be who they are, to say what they want, to to, to exist. So those are the things I think about when when play comes to mind. I think that is powerful that you connected the term play with a safe space. And guess what happened? A lot of adults don't have that. Yes, you're correct. Somebody said to me two weeks ago, and I it rests on me. I kind of feel bad for that adult. They're like in their 50s and so on. They were personal kind of ridiculing me and so on. And I, instead of like even taking it personal, I realized that that person had their own issue going on. You know, sometimes it's not even about us. Sometimes when people say things to us about us, 
It's not about us, actually. It's about them. And I said to the, 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 the person, the woman, I said, um, I've been in spaces where I've been understood and accepted. And before I could even talk, she said, I've never had that before. And I said, really? I said, that's sad. There are many people like that, sadly. There are many people that did not get that foundation, where that, that, that foundation where confidence was nurtured, where confidence was spoken into them, where confidence was, was even seen as a must-have. Because I think sometimes, you see, we, we, we see confidence as a nice, nice thing. Are nice have it's nice to have, but I think confidence is a must have or should be a must have, especially with our babies, especially with our babies, because that's the foundation. You know, when when children get into the teenage years, and crucial time is actually when they're in the early years, because that is this that is ultimately that what determines many things, believe it or not, especially in the, the adulthood. Yeah, as you rightfully said, there are so many people walking around. And as I said, because they did not get that foundation. All right. So a while ago, you just talked a lot about creating a safe space, a play space, a play space being a very safe, very vulnerable kind of situation where you can let go and not be confined and not be restricted. And as you said, raw, something that is very open. And so... How would you say you prepare yourself for a play space before you go and engage with your daughter or engage with like people that you are connecting with through your channels and platform? And how do you create a safe space for you as an individual, as an adult that never got that opportunity to be free or to be a child, you know, which is to be open? So... I like this question. <laughs> I like this question a lot. Quite challenging, but very, very important. I think ultimately for me as an individual before even being a mother, an artist, content creator, all of those things, create a safe space comes from my main source, which, which is God, which is my relationship and so on that I have with God is talking to him every day, pouring out myself, being vulnerable to God. Christianity is my faith, as I think most people should know by now, or if you don't know, now you know. I talk to God about everything, every single thing. I drop, God, you know, so I drop, yes, I know that he knows that already and so on, but he's like, that's, that's my friend, you know, he's the ultimate source and so on. And then following even like my praying sessions or so on, I do a little bit of journaling, put myself words again, very important to, put, to start putting myself in a certain, in a certain space, you know, um, I start speaking, of course, I um, believe heavily in affirmations, I start speaking to myself um, about these things that I wrote down, about things that I talked about with God and so on, um, reading the Bible, of course, goes hand in hand with talking to God, so even those words, sometimes I they are back in my journal, again, helping me mentally, helping me emotionally, helping me spiritually, so that whatever is going on outside of my mind and so on, or in, in, in the environment and so on, I'm able to combat that. Another thing is that after my time with God and so on, I use like things that I have, like pre-existing things I like to sing or I like to do 
my stories and so on. I read. I read to put myself, I look at myself as a different character. I sing. I love music a lot. Bob Marley said it right when he said, when music hits you, you feel no pain. That is so true. I listen to different types of music, not just one, but I especially like um, uplifting stuff. I love as well motivational talks. I love watching the interviews. I love um, listening to other persons who did it before me or who have had similar um, experiences as myself and see how they they combated certain circumstances in their life and so on. So ultimately creating life, I'm ultimately fueling or nurturing myself even before somebody else comes and nurture me. My village then plays a very, very vital role because as you rightfully said, you know, you might not have gotten that exposure. That's a lot that I issue with a lot of adults. And so they might not get certain exposure, but the exposure is there. Your village is there. You know, your space is there. Your purpose is there. You know, have to run it down. You don't have to chase it. None of that. You don't have to force it. But the type of friends and so on that you're supposed to have, they are there. The type of partner you're supposed to have, he's, he or she is there. You get what I'm saying? So it is for you to also go out and do the work and also to find it, to be intentional. You know what I mean? As I said to you, I have a big village. I am so grateful for my village church, drama group, different people in the community. I'm a child of the community. My mother was a single mom. It was my grandfather there for me most of the time growing up, even more than my dad. My father was one of those fathers who just send money, never see him, <laughs> never really talk. We never really have that nice father-daughter, you know, bond. But he sent money. I'm grateful. It could have been nothing at all. You know, my grandfather, as I said, was there. My mother was there. There were different people, even in my church, who became fathers to me, who became mentors to me, who aunts and uncles, even now, I call one of my elders, uh, Mr. Owen, Mr. Everett Owen. I said, Daddy Owen, because he has been like a father to me throughout the years. You know, you know what I mean? So that, that's me going out to find that village, to, to be a part, to um, grow in that village and so on, to, even, to meet others and so I went to Japan again, as I said, and had an entire community of different foreigners from different countries, different cultures, different socialization, but those persons became my family away from my family. You understand? I, I told somebody recently that not because you don't come from something, not because you didn't have that experience means that you don't have to have it or you cannot have it. You can have it. You know, for example, I believe one of my biggest beliefs is that you should or an achievement for me, I should say, is being comfortable in a home space not a house. Everybody can go in a house. Anybody can have a house. Anybody can live in a house. But a home is different. You should be comfortable in a home. You understand what I'm saying, Renee? A home should feel like a home where love, where, where, where family, where, where friendships exist, where challenges, where talks are happening, you know, um, where a family night is happening. Those are, that's, that's why I wasn't raised like that. My mother probably would have wanted to do things like that, but my mother spent a lot of time working. She poured into me, yes, how she could, but she spent a lot of time working. Most of my family members were older than me when I was growing up, so they were working. My dad wasn't around. I had a different village, but I said, again, when I went to Auntie Maureen's house, 
I started to see that lifestyle. She on Fridays, we do movies or on Sundays, we did this together, you know. So your village, again, you have to go out and find things, find, find your village, find a community, find things that you want for yourself, find people, you understand? Find that even if you don't have it in your family, it is, it is there and nothing wrong with that. It doesn't, you're not limited. That's how I create, that's the second way I create place space for myself. So one, it's true individual time and time with God and just working on my mental well-being individually. And then secondly, my village plays a vital role. So my village helps me as well to create that kind of place space for myself. And then my purpose, me wanting to work with more, with more parents, work with children and so on, that helps me, that, that, that reminds me every time of what I should be going out there to give or how I should be going out there to serve. Understand? When I'm creating a space for my daughter, I use pre-existing information, pre-existing knowledge, and I also set certain goals for her based in on where she's in her developmental stage. And then I give her an experience. And sometimes the experience goes perfect and sometimes it doesn't go perfect and that's life you understand but from that experience I'm now able to use that going forward to know what I can do better the next time it is the same when I'm doing like the play dates or the stories I use the pre-existing knowledge or first I put myself in that mental space I use the pre-existing knowledge I get some information as well on each child it is very 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 important for you to know each child as an educator, as a parent, as a guardian, it is important for you to give pre-existing information or to get pre-existing information on a child. Parents who will be listening to this podcast, please, I'm imploring you that when you go into different spaces, when you invite people into your houses or your homes or your space and your children are there, love and respect your children enough to tell somebody that my child is such and such and such and this works for my child and this doesn't work for my child. Don't expect that people are going to understand children are, are going to fuck. That, that is not so that is not so. You have to give people information and so on so that they can be better able that they can be better able to help your child, to nurture your child. Because at the end of the day, you know, people get very touches when they come on to children, you know. Me too. I can tell you that. I get very touches with it. I get very touches, touchy when it when it's my child or even when it's a student. I try to give as much information to even another teacher, a substitute teacher that might be. Um, taking the lesson for me one day or if somebody's coming into my space or if I'm going into somebody's space I try to say okay my child I think Asia is very energetic jumping off the walls and so on so prepare for that know how you're going to respond to her know how she's going to probably respond to you as well so for the play dates as I said as I mentioned it is always one of the best things that I do one of my best practices is getting information on each child from the parents. I don't just invite the, 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 the child and the parent in my space or in the space. 
without knowing anything. You know what I mean, Renee? The, one of the best things is a, a parent that cooperates with me, gives me something to work on. And so I know how to move forward with their child in a positive way. But you not sharing anything and so on, that ultimately leads up to destruction for your child and an uncomfortable space. And I don't want to encourage. You're strong. You're very strong. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Because you just spoke with such strength a while ago about things that are, that is very practical. Talk about self-awareness and not even just you being aware in just yourself, but the greater being. And knowing that you, you need to humble. The inner self needs to humble and understand that there is something bigger than you and become centered, right? Yeah. And so a while ago, as you move from that, you then talked about doing the research and assessing for like the child or even you before you're going to a safe space or whatever. Sometimes we don't want to acknowledge say we as an individual need help, you know? Oh, Lord. Renee, like you have to do a lot. And that's, as you said, that's the thing. You have to work on you first before you can pour into anybody at all you know as a little girl i always think to myself i always say you know these teachers created a safe space for me what is it that they did to create this safe space for me why is it that i can remember these teachers was it how they spoke to me was it the choice of the activities that they did what was it that 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 has impacted me so much and then i think about children you understand when I'm in the classroom as well as outside of the classroom, I sometimes I'm there thinking like, what made me uncomfortable when I was in a classroom? You know, you have to think about, you have to think about those things. You have to, you have to, there's so much, oh Lord, we, we, we have to wrap up. <laughs> yeah, man, we have to wrap up. I just want to even say like, the three core points that you made, spirituality, getting centered, acknowledging yourself and actually being vulnerable and showing yourself to your tribe. Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? And then your tribe is not any, anybody just so, no. because you have to make the assessment within yourself, like what well, work for you. I want to work for you, which is just like how you said a while ago in terms of childcare, you know, as a parent, you know, as you, as a big woman, a big man, you have to parent yourself now because you can't, you can't fix what I already got. Exactly. Regarding your parents and them, you're also like, no, you have to soothe yourself. No, you have to set the tone. No, you have to make the decisions and you are going to be empowered and enabled to do so mm-hmm. because you have taken the time for work by yourself. Yeah. And I think that's what builds confidence now when you are very aware of who you are. And what your purpose is. And I think you said it, you know, in, in how it is that you approach it is like acknowledging and assessing what you're good at and acknowledging your space and what you actually connect with. And if it means like, say, it is arts, I mean, also like we have to fight to be where we are because many people might not necessarily want to appreciate the arts. Mm-hmm. If it is that you feel like, say, you want to be a man who make mirror. Make the mirror them. Yeah. If you feel like you want to be a gardener, be the gardener. You become the landscaperer. That's You correct. get me? And I agree with you, Renee. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm just going to speak blessings to you. And I'm grateful that you had this talk with me because everything that you spoke was just on point. 
I try to just be as um, vulnerable as possible in this interview and um, just try to enjoy it and to just um, shed some light as much as I could possibly do. Um, thank you again, Renee, for having me. It was a good talk. I am looking forward to seeing your other talks. I am looking yeah, forward to seeing you in some other spaces, Renee, to seeing you in even bigger spaces. When I come to Jamaica, we can have lunch. Yes. <laughs> Speaking, we're going to have it at AC Hotel. And next time when we have a talk at AC Hotel, it'll be a brunch setting. We have a lot of women and even other male creatives, everybody in one space, and we're open. Looking forward to it. Speak it into me, Renee, from your lips to God's ears. <laughs> blessings and thank you Jody. Right, thank, thank you, you. Much, Renee. have a good one and stay blessed same to you bye i hope you've enjoyed this session follow me on instagram at Renee kitson for more inspiration remember that you are enough and that only you can be you just go and own up your unison Boom, bang, bang. <laughs>